Welcome into the 11 Dubcast presented by the Dry Goods Store at 11warriors.com. I am merely Bo Bishop, Johnny Ginter on the other end. And I thought what we would do this week off the top is a lot of people that are in positions of, uh, of hosting shows or a lot of times you hear people crowing about things that they got right. Um, I got a lot wrong in the last week, a lot wrong. And, <laughs> and, and, and so let's document those things in, in the form of conversation. So the number one thing that I got wrong is that Ohio State would beat Purdue. Johnny, I did not think a snowball's chance in hell that an Ohio State team could roll into West Lafayette on a Thursday night with the, with the college basketball world focused on Purdue and a Purdue team that had won 19 straight freaking games on their home court, which people tell me all of a sudden last week will tell me it's better than Allen Fieldhouse. So apparently it's Cameron Indoor, it's Allen Fieldhouse, it's all these things. Mackey Arena is. And that they could go in there, be down 14 freaking points in the second half, and win. Right. With Musa Jallo hitting threes and Andre <laughs> Wesson hitting threes and and Kata Bates Diop with over the head backwards bank pass alley. I mean, this is the craziest damn thing in the history of, of my viewing of Ohio State sports in a positive sense. The craziest thing ever was Trestle getting fired, but this is the craziest thing, like in in terms of a positive, this is bananas. You don't do this. You don't beat Michigan State at home with this team and then roll to Purdue. I mean, Johnny, they've got essentially a two-game lead. I know that the Big Ten tiebreaker works out to where if they all have the same record, they split the Big Ten title. Right, uh, right. But it, they would own the tiebreaker, so to speak. I mean, and, and they have a one-game lead on Purdue or Michigan State. Right. Well, okay. bank shot against Penn State from being 14-0 and 0 in the league. <laughs> buddy that is this team is 11th or 12th in the big 10 yeah i would say that that is really high up there for me i wouldn't say it's the greatest i think i think cardell jones i think a third string quarterback uh going in and, and you know basically winning the national championship with absolutely no precedent for that is still the craziest thing i've ever seen um and it's yeah, up there right. like yeah you that know it was hyperbole on my part that, that's you're but, right you're correct but but to be fair, this is extremely ridiculous in so many ways. And the way they won at Purdue was hilarious because we took an informal poll on the site uh, among the writers and stuff and the guys, the staff. And I think Ramsey was the only person who believed that Ohio State was going to pull of this off. Of so, yeah. right. So, it, you know, and once I got down by 14, I think my threshold for this, I, I went into the game going, you know what? If they get down by like 15 or 16, I'm out. I'm bouncing. I'm not, I'm not going to watch the end of it because I don't, I just, I'll be sad because I'll start, you know, putting all these doubts in my head and then extrapolating, you know, more than this game is really worth. And they got down 14. I'm like, well, it's about time to get out of this. And then they started coming back and they have done this every single game this year where they have faced that kind of adversity. They are the coolest cucumbers in the history of the planet and they just keep playing their game. Holtman went small, which worked out really well somehow. I don't really understand the mechanics of all that working, but it worked out. And Musa Jallo hit really hit th- two really important threes when he hadn't scored in over a month of basketball. Uh, it was just a ridiculous game. It was a lot of fun to watch. And, you know, I, could they replicate that performance? Yeah, maybe, because honestly, any any lead that a team gets on them is absolutely not safe. You could have a 25-point lead, and I would still think, eh, they still got a shot because they just keep playing their game and they never get out of it. It's it's really amazing to watch. And it's all coaching. I mean, it's, it's what Holtman has been able to do to instill yeah. that mentality in the team is 
unbelievable. It's there's there's talented players that are responding to coaching, and yeah. um, we're, we're what we're seeing is the magic of that. And belief is what you're seeing is is belief is that when you believe in in that you're being put in the best possible position for success, these things happen, and it's it's nothing short of stunning. Um, that you're down 14, that's a game you you fold it in and you say, okay, let's just get out of here and let's get to Iowa and let's let's win it, you know, at home on Saturday. And that's not what they did. They kept fighting and they believe. And um, the Iowa game that followed is a sellout, so that was good to see. I was happy to see that that the community, you know, that's a big community in Columbus, and I was glad to hear that the community showed up and supported them on in, in the Iowa game, a game that they were in, there was never a doubt. I mean, there's, that's the thing. Like there's no trap games with this team. Like they always are ready to play. I've, I've never uh, been around even their own loss. I mean, Penn state basically became a bunch of Steph Curry's. That, that's the reason that they lost the game right. is the way that Penn state shot the three in that game. And they still damn near won it. I mean, it's pretty astonishing. I, I brought this up on the television show today. I'll, I'll pose it to you. When you beat, we all kind of say that Michigan state and Purdue can win a national championship. Like we've said sure. that all year. Ohio State has beaten them both. They beat Michigan State handily, and they beat Purdue at Purdue. Can Ohio State win a national championship? I'm not saying that's the <laughs> expectation, and you're laughing about it, and I did yeah. too. But I mean, they are 13 and one in the Big Ten. Right. They've beaten Purdue at Purdue, and they've beaten Michigan State. They've got the Big Ten Player of the Year in Kata Bates Diop. They've got the national, more than likely, national coach of the year. And Chris Holtman, he'll be on a short list if he doesn't get it over Bruce Pearl or whatever, whatever. But, I mean, he's on a short list. Um, they're senior-laden, and they play fantastic defense. Um, I guess what I'm wondering is, are we to the point with this team where nothing should surprise us? Because I think we're headed – I think we're there. Oh, I think – I mean, if you're talking about are they capable of doing that, especially given maybe how some of the other teams in the country have played. Yeah, I mean, there are a lot of teams. I think it's a very wide-open field in general. The one yeah. thing I will say, though, is that I think tournament basketball is a lot different than what you've been seeing in the Big Ten uh, regular season or the Big Ten season here uh, during the regular season. Just because one of the things that Holtman does so well is prepare his teams uh, really, really thoroughly uh, to, to play. Because you can see how they, they defend some of these guys and how they've kind of schemed some players out of games. When you're in a situation when you're playing game after game after game, that might change things a little bit. So when they get into the Big Ten tournament, and depending on how they handle some of these teams that have already seen them a little bit and have some tape on them, that I think will be a good indicator about how they'll perform in the NCAA tournament. And look, I mean, I don't know what the expectation is right now that people have in general for this team. I mean, I think some people are looking at this and going, well, this has got to be, you know, sweet 16, elite eight. I don't know if that's necessarily in the cards, but there's really no reason not to think it could be because, I mean, honestly, things break their way. I mean, you have no idea what could happen. And like I said, the the field is so wide open this season that I really wouldn't be shocked no matter what happens. They get out, they're they at Penn State this week on Thursday and then at Michigan on Sunday. And uh, from there, it's Rutgers and at Indiana to close it out. So three out of the four are kind of dicey. The Rutgers game on senior day uh, will be a beatdown. But uh, they're in pole position to win the Big Ten, and that, that's a crazy thing. So um, lots we were wrong about about that. Certainly, I'll speak for myself, <laughs> right. I was. Number two, I was dead wrong about. I thought for sure Greg Shiano was gone. Um, <laughs> everything that I read last week indicated him to be gone. Um, the way I viewed it was it made sense to me. 
right? I mean, this is a guy who, yeah. for whatever reason, became toxic in college, and he saw that. I never understood that, and I think we've acknowledged that many times on this show and on any other platform I talk on, um, that it doesn't make any sense to me that because Penn, because Tennessee were idiots that anybody else would say, well, then we can't hire him either just because Tennessee allowed the mob mentality to, to run their program. There's no reason that he couldn't end up somewhere else. Um, but nevertheless, I thought that he would move on to the NFL and, and go back to that route. And he pulls a 180 and he stays. And now, and we have the news today that Tabor Johnson, a former Trestle assistant, is coming back uh, to coach the corners, uh, a position he had with, with Trestle from, I think, 07 to 11. Um, so this defensive staff now, I mean, this is a hell of a staff that Urban has. And the, to have, to, for, for Wilson to remain, I mean, we get, we thought that would be the case, but for Shiano to have a third year. That's crazy. Uh, and I know it's weird circumstances that got there, but I was dead wrong. I thought he would be with the New England Patriots right now, a, a week ago at this time. Right. Well, I think everybody, I mean, that was pretty much how we had stylized the the dubcast last week. It's like, okay, well, bye, Greg. Thanks, you know, nice. Yep. Thanks for your help. Right. Thanks for your service. We weren't alone, to be fair. Yeah, no, everybody thought that. And, and it was, <laughs> it was yeah, it was a reasonable ex- like thought and expectation that he would jump at that kind of opportunity. But no, it, it didn't turn out that way. And maybe he's just looking for a head coaching gig, and maybe that's what his real intention is. Um, yeah, I don't. I I was really shocked by it. I think it's great for Ohio State, clearly, because you've got a guy who can just do some really amazing things, especially with the kind of class that they're bringing in uh, defensively. I mean, they they will greatly benefit from another year of Greg Schiano. Uh, in the next, you know, three or four years, like just one more year is going to help out immeasurably. I think down the road when you've got, you know, maybe a team that needs to lean a little bit more on their defense and their offense. But I, you know, I don't really know what the temperature is around Greg Schiano when it comes to other organizations looking at him as a coach. I don't know if yeah. he's considered to be a guy that, you know, they don't want to mess with because they don't want the publicity. I can't even imagine that though. I mean, given, <laughs> given what college teams and pro football teams will do to hire people and to keep people on who have questionable past or, you know, innuendo surrounding them. I find it very hard to believe that a guy like Greg Schiano is going to find a whole lot of difficulty, at least getting a decent job at a relatively high right. level. So I don't, I just, I don't, to me, I'm kind of baffled by the entire situation, but I'm not crying about another year here. So. No, it also sets up ideally for Urban because now Shiano gets one year with Grinch. So Alex Grinch gets a year yeah, of you know exactly. Shiano mentorship. Shiano is and is is an elite defensive mind. He's a program builder. Um, he's a former NFL head coach, and the fact that he's going to stick around for another year and Alex Grinch is going to be able to learn from him is really ideal for Urban. And you know, Urban is Urban in Ohio State, and Urban's two year extension happened since we did the cast too. Um, so you know, he's going to be around for a long time, it appears. And and maybe um, I think he's at like seventy four wins or something like that right now. I mean, it's in play that he could get at Ohio State. It's in play that he could get to Coop. Coop's I think at one hundred and eleven. Uh, mm-hmm. second winningest coach in Ohio State history. So it's in play, you know, very easily that Urban could get, you know, in that neighborhood if he, you know, that would require five more years or something like that. But, um, you know, that's in play. So uh, this program is about as stable as it's ever been right now with with the way that everything's looking and the way that the staff is looking. And that brings us to the third thing I was dead wrong about. And I was dead wrong about this upon hire. I, 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 was, I thought that Jim Harbaugh would be Urban Meyer's equal. 
not maybe not equal, but right there. I mean, I, I thought right. he was um, an elite college foot. I thought he was an elite football coach. Every place, and he may still be. Um, every place he he went got better immediately. Um, the best example of that is is the 49ers, but of course Stanford too. But what he has not done, and it is to great shock to me, is he has not recruited at an elite level. Uh, not close. And this year, when I saw the signing day classes, and I saw that obviously Ohio State had the number two class in the country, uh, Penn State was in the top five, Nebraska was in the high teens, Notre Dame was around 10, and Michigan was around 25, 26, depending on who you were paying attention to. That's <laughs> unfathomable to me. Yeah. That, that in this this far along in his tenure, that he would not resonate more with recruits. And not only this isn't just one class. I mean, that, you know, they they had a great class a couple of years ago, but I mean, they have never recruited at the same level as Ohio State since he's been there. And I thought that they'd be right there. He missed on every five-star kid he wanted. He missed. Yeah. He didn't get a damn one. He didn't, I think, I thought I think I looked this up last week. He didn't have one of the top 10 kids in Ohio, which was crazy. And he didn't have many of the top 10 kids in Michigan in comparison to Michigan State even. Um, well, I It's strange to me that he hasn't had a bigger impact on the recruiting trail. And you look at him going into year four, and everybody at Michigan will tell you that this is the year. Well, it damn well better be. Because <laughs> if he doesn't get Urban in 2018, he ain't getting him. And yeah. I, I was wrong about that because I thought he'd win a couple times against Ohio State, and I thought he would recruit maybe not at the same level of Urban because Urban's on the level – you know, pretty close to Saban, but I thought it, he'd be, I, I figured he'd recruit the way Franklin's recruiting. So, okay. That's my point. Because if you look at the Jim Harbaugh hire and you look at where Michigan was at and you look where some of these other schools, like, would you have thought in three years that Penn state and Nebraska would be out recruiting Michigan? No. When at the initial point, it's not just the fact that Jim Harbaugh is disappointed. It's the fact that they're falling behind some of these other other That's team right. like if you get scott frost and james franklin and they're actually starting to really turn up the heat in recruiting and now all of a sudden you're you're like third or fourth or even fifth in the Big Ten on a consistent basis, that's a killer. That That is a really huge problem for Michigan. It's not that they're, just, you know, they're losing out to Ohio State. It's that they're losing out to all the B-tier teams that they believe themselves to be better than. So if you can't keep up with that, you've got way bigger problems than Urban Meyer. You've got institutional problems. And I, you know, I, I'm I'm with you. I thought Jim Harbaugh would have been far better at this than he has turned yeah. out to be. Uh, but it's just, it hasn't, it hasn't worked out. And I don't know, you know, maybe I wrote something about this. Actually, I was kind of making fun of Michigan last week. And I said, mm -hmm. maybe Jim Harbaugh isn't like fun, weird. Maybe he's like weird, weird. And maybe kids be. just really, he just doesn't resonate with, with kids. Like they just don't really like him that much. Well, I mean, you know, let's look at it from the outside looking in. I mean, he wears the same clothes every day. Yeah. Um, you know, all of those weird stories that were kind of cutesy in the beginning, you know, with staying in a treehouse or drinking a gallon of milk with a steak and, yeah. you know, running around with his shirt off and, you know, wearing Woody Hayes eyeglasses, you know, maybe that stuff's just weird. Yeah. And maybe it's, I mean, it's clearly not resonating. And I don't know if it's just him, you know, I mean, I thought he would be able to just walk in and say, this is what we did with Andrew Luck. And this is what we did with Colin Kaepernick. Do you want to be a part of this? That's what I thought. I mean, I thought that's what he would, that's the way he would recruit. I've also heard from people up there that his staff isn't great. 
uh, that they don't have a lot of dog recruiters that, that go after it and work on the recruiting trail. Maybe that's a part of it too. Um, but the fact that they are recruiting, the fact that he was beaten to me, Michigan with Harbaugh and the Jordan brand and Tom Brady and Charles Woodson and all the stuff they have at their recruiting disposal, Michigan at the very least should be the second best recruiting team in the big 10. Absolutely. It's inexcusable, unexcusable for Penn state and Nebraska and (laughs) Notre Dame to recruit at a higher level than Michigan. That should never happen. And it is happening. Well, and that's crazy. If I'm being super cynical, I mean, my, you know, putting on the the scarlet and gray glasses a little bit. My my perception of Michigan is that they believe that they can recruit themselves. That they simply they will open their doors and they will have people come in and they're like, well, we've got Harbaugh and we've got this, you know, Bo and all this other great yeah. stuff. And I don't. I feel like ever since and, and maybe you know, and Rich Rod recruited his own guys and, and obviously that didn't work out really well. But I just feel like as an institution, as a football program, they are so wedded to this idea that they deserve these recruits. And you look at Urban Meyer and the way him and his staff recruit, they they go out there like they're never going to get another recruit again. Like every single recruit, they put on the full court press. They do every single thing they possibly yeah. can think of. They will inundate people with calls and letters and all this other crap because they know that's what the game you have to play. And I just don't know that at Michigan they have realized that. And I think they have a head coach who maybe doesn't care about that. So until they wise up to the reality of of college football recruiting in in 2018, I think they're going to continue to have issues with that. The the sad thing for me as someone who's a fan of the rivalry is that the gap continues to grow. Right. I mean, it's the next year is rough for Michigan, too. I mean, they like it it is not a walk in the park. They're going to be a better team. They're going to be a much better team. But they better get Ohio State next year. Yeah. You know, I mean, right. next year's the year. They're right. Because if they don't, I mean, this is, there's no end in sight. Yeah. So, uh, which most Ohio State fans love. I mean, you want to beat them like a drum all the time. But if you beat them like a drum nine out of 10 years for three decades, then it's not the greatest rivalry in all of sports anymore. So, exactly that, right. That's, that's kind of the where, that's kind of where you're at. You're, you're into, you're damn near. <laughs> I mean, if Urban wins the next three, you're two decades of dominance. <laughs> Honestly, I mean, what? They're going to win two out of 20. Right. That's not the best rivalry in all sports. It can't yeah. be. So, I mean, he's got to, he's got to pick it up at some point. And the thing, if you're Michigan, we've talked about this before, like, where do they go? I mean, he was their urban, you know, he right. was the white knight. He was the one that was going to save it. Yeah. And it doesn't appear that he's any better off than they're any better off now. Than they were with Brady Oak, which is crazy. Never would have guessed. All right, still to come, ask us anything. But first, we're joined by our basketball beat writer, James Grega, with an extended hoop conversation. He's been with this team every press conference, dang near every game, all season long. How has this happened? We will uh, we'll have that conversation with him coming up next. Before we do that, though, we want to encourage you to visit 11 Warriors Dry Goods for shirts, hats, stickers, and more. That is drygoods.11warriors.com. All right, and with that, as promised, we bring on our expert basketball beat reporter, James Gregor. James does a fantastic job for us on the site. He does a great job on the television show as well. I'd say he's a natural on the TV side. He's been great from from Jump Street there, Um, so we appreciate his time. Uh, Let's just – at what point in this season, James, did you think – did you feel like you were onto something with this basketball team? That you thought – I mean, this was a fun little story – and then it, it's gotten really real over the last month. Is there a moment when you said, okay, there's more here than I thought with this team? 
the first time I thought there was something more with this team was when they came back from 20 down to beat Michigan at home. I kind of thought, okay, this team might have something. They might finish a little higher in the Big Ten than we all thought. I thought maybe top top five, top six when, when they did that. And then, obviously, um, everybody turns to, and rightfully so, that Michigan State game where they didn't just win. They really dominated Michigan State for the better part of that game. And it was at that point when I thought, boy, if they can sustain any kind of momentum, that this would be this would be something special. And we talked about it on the show a couple of weeks ago, Bo, that they not only beat Michigan State, but then they were able to rattle off however many wins after that. And that was just maybe just as impressive as beating Michigan State in and of itself. So, you know, I'd say it's probably the Michigan game. I thought we had something that would, would go past expectations, but I don't think anyone saw, saw this coming. So, James, look, I, you've got to help me out here because I have not been able to shake this, and maybe it's just because I'm a pessimist. And Because I, I agree with you. I was, I was actually listening to the Michigan game, part of it on the radio, and I watched the rest of it on TV. And I cannot shake the idea that, yes, this is a very good basketball team, but maybe the rest of the Big Ten just kind of sucks. And I don't want to believe that because I know there are very good teams in the Big Ten, but how much of this is a function of a really great coach and some you know, very good basketball players exploiting some obvious weaknesses and how much of it is Ohio State basketball is just back and they're great and they're awesome? I really think it's a little bit of both. I really think you look at the Big Ten and it's pretty top-heavy. You have Michigan State and Purdue. I think they're legitimate Final Four teams. And Ohio State's beating them both. So I think you have to give a lot of credit to this roster and Coach Holtman, the way he's kind of managed this roster. You have to give them a lot of credit, but also to the, the rest of the Big Ten, like you said, it, it's not very good. Michigan's a legitimate team. Nebraska and Penn State are both showing some promise, but outside of that, um, it's, there's not very good basketball being played um, at the bottom tier of this, the middle to the bottom tier of this conference. It's really kind of lackluster. There's not a lot of star power outside of the top three or four teams, um, and I think that's kind of hurt the, the team as well, but if there was if there was a year for the Big Ten to be down for Ohio State's purposes, this this was absolutely the year, and we've, we've seen what they've been able to do. So I, I think, honestly, it's, it's a little bit of both. Um, but for, for Ohio State, it's definitely uh, definitely been a good thing. One thing that I think we haven't talked enough about and maybe enough people around the program haven't talked enough about is the talent that is on the roster. This is a, it's, a, it's not a deep team, um, but at the same time, this is not the Hickory Huskers before Jimmy Chitwood got there. I mean, this Thad Mata, you know, wasn't totally asleep at the wheel in recruiting. Kata Bates-Diop is a pretty damn good player. And if he didn't get hurt a year ago, Thad's probably still coaching Ohio State. Jay Sean Tate was somebody that a lot of people wanted. Um, many of these kids that are on this roster were highly – it's not like Ohio State was recruiting in the 70s. I mean, they had top 25 classes almost every year. So this was talent. This was talent that wasn't being reached and wasn't being tapped. But the talent was there. And they are responding to coaching and coaches that they've known to seven or eight months. We talk a lot about Holtman and his brilliance. We talk about Scooney and Dave Egelhoff, who does, who does a fantastic job in basketball ops, um, and, and all of those guys who have built that. But outside of Bates Diop, do we have we given the rest of the talent on the roster the credit that it deserves? Probably not. And I, I think that the name that always comes to mind outside of Kata is, is Jay Sean Tate and what he's been yeah. able to accomplish, especially not just this year, but in his four years playing, you know, a wing, playing almost a four at times and playing it at like 6'5", 
six three, six four. I mean, he's very undersized for for what he does or what he did. You know, this year he's been asked to play a little more on the perimeter uh, because of the lack of guard uh, play that this team has. But really, what he's been able to accomplish um, at his size and his position is really remarkable. And I don't think he gets enough credit. And another guy that has really impressed with his on-court ability this year, at least for me, has been C.J. Jackson. He still struggles a little bit with, you know, with turning the ball over at times. We've seen that throughout this year, but uh, he's really developed a consistent jumper. He's able to make plays off the dribble when the shot clock is winding down, and he's able to create some offense by himself when the offense becomes stagnant. Now, we haven't seen a lot of that this year because the, the team has been coached so well, and there's a lot of movement regardless, but when things do become stagnant, he's a guy who's been able to create for this team, and I think uh, he and Jay Sean Tate, obviously, they're overlooked because of what Kate has done this year, but those two guys, I think, are just as critical as, as Kata, especially this time of the year. Okay, I want to expand on that real quick, because you said, like, guys who, you know, when, when we need to create, when Ohio State needs to create points and whatnot, that's who they look towards, but against Purdue, <laughs> there were a couple guys who came out of the woodwork that I don't think anybody really expected, and I want to ask you about Musa Jalo real quick, because... Uh, he scored his first points, and I think we calculated on Slack, something like 75 or 77 minutes, uh, not since like the beginning of January. How does a coach or a team get a guy who has done nothing in a month to contribute like that at that critical moment in a game? Because to me, that was like the most one of the most mind-blowing things about the entire Purdue game. Well, he hadn't done nothing. I mean, he had been playing a lot of minutes uh, and giving them really good defensive minutes. You know, he's a very raw – but you have to remember, he came in late in the process because he reclassified. So he didn't get a lot of time in the summer with this coaching staff and with this roster. And I think that hurts you a lot more on the offensive end with getting reps in the, you know, in the flow of the offense and getting shots up. So I think that kind of hindered his, his offensive game. But Coach Holtman said after the game, that after the Purdue game, that he went up to, to Musa in, in shoot around and said, Hey, we need you to be confident. You, you're not shooting the ball with confidence, even in practice. And we said, we, he told him, you need to shoot the ball with confidence and you need to, you know, let it fly. And I think that message was very well received. Obviously we saw what he did in that game. And even if you watch the Iowa game back um, from Saturday, he didn't do anything special, but he made a shot with the shot clock winding down at about the free throw line late in that game. It was really just an absurd, shot that went in and it just shows how athletic he is and what his feeling is his offense is going to come when he gets a full summer in the gym with this coaching staff and with the rest of this roster his offense will come but right now his role is just kind of play defense and whatever offense he can give you is just an added bonus one of the most amazing things about this team is the fact that the steadiness of tate and bates diop but then you don't know where else it's going to come from you know, it's Jallo and Andre Wesson, you know, against Purdue. Yeah. Like, who's, <laughs> yeah. like those are the guys who are going to – and it's Dockage, you know, in a game. Right. Dockage has been solid for a month and a half. I mean, they didn't know – I mean, that story about how Holtman basically calls Dan and says, where's Andrew at? Why don't you – I might need a point guard. You know, I mean, and then, okay, well, then the kid – you know, he's become a real contributor. It's Micah Potter one night. I mean, it's – I've never seen a team, James and Johnny, I've never seen a team where everybody is so comfortable in their role and has just let the ego fly and is just playing the role and seems to be happy in it. It's remarkable. So that gets me to this question. They have a game lead on Purdue and Michigan State in the Big Ten, James. 
They are at Penn State Thursday, Michigan Sunday, then Rutgers for Senior Day, and then Indiana for their Senior Day, and that's it. That's the list. Four games to play. They got a one-game lead in the Big Ten. You think they win the Big Ten championship regular season? I, If I had to say right now, I'd say they share it. Um, I don't think they're going to the, completely fall out of it, but I could definitely see them sharing it with um, one or one or both of those teams just because three of the four games on the road, uh, obviously they lost to Penn State earlier this year. I don't think Penn State's going to shoot 11 of 13 from three again or whatever it was in that, in that game. But going to Michigan is not an easy task, and going to Indiana, um, also not an easy task. I think Michigan, obviously, it's their senior day. They're going to have the maze out. Everybody seems to forget that that's Andrew Dockage's homecoming. There, that crowd's going to be ready to go. Um, I don't know if Ohio State's going to pull that one out, but I do think they'll beat Penn State. I do think, obviously, they'll beat Rutgers. And uh, Indiana's probably one of the hardest places to play in the Big Ten, even though their team's not that great right now. So, uh, at this point, I want to say they're probably going to share. But man, if yeah. they can win those four, if they can win those four games, that's going to be. If that doesn't solidify uh, Chris Holtman for National Coach of the Year, I, I don't know what will. Yeah, no, I mean, and that's <laughs> and you think about that with Dockich, like he had a senior day there a year yeah. ago. I mean, yeah. they have the jersey, his dad and him on the floor shaking Beeline's hand, and now he's going. You know, now he's gonna. It's crazy. I mean, I, we've never this whole thing is just. It's been a wild, wild season. You've done a great job chronicling it for us, buddy. I certainly appreciate the work you do on the television show, and it's uh, it's good having you here on the on the Dubcast today. Hey, buddy. Have a good yeah, night. Yeah, thanks for, thanks for having me, guys. All right, don't forget to follow the 11 Dubcast on Twitter if you would, and also rate and subscribe on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, final segment of the program, my friend. It is time for Ask Us Anything. Do you have any for us this week? I guess if you I don't, sh- we're in trouble. <laughs> well, I just make them up. It's fine. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, yes, we do have some questions, and, and including one that I accidentally skipped from last week, so I'm, I'm happy okay. about that. Uh, you guys can ask us anything. Send us a question to dubcast at 11warriors.com or at 11dubcast on Twitter. Uh, this first one's from Alvin, our good friend Alvin, who, who sends in really great questions with on a regular basis, and I really appreciate that. Uh, he says, what is one non-revenue sport uh, that we wish that uh, 11 Warriors would cover a little bit more? So I will take that question and flip it to the non-revenue sport that I wish more people cared about, even the school. And that would be baseball. Um, College baseball, which I covered for six or seven years when I was in Tallahassee and Florida State, and they were always a top 10 program. And many of those years, they were the number one program in the country. College baseball at a high level is a joy. It is so much fun. And um, when, when you have a program that is nationally relevant and you have a big weekend series, and it happens mostly in the South. I mean, we're hamstrung a little bit by the weather. Um, but I remember covering Florida State baseball and uh, Mark Teixeira coming into town with Georgia Tech or Khalil Green coming in town with Clemson or Andrew Miller coming in town with, uh, with North Carolina, Ryan Braun with Miami. And it was, and you know, meantime, Florida State had Stephen Drew and all these ta- guys, Buster Posey, these guys who got to the big leagues. And it was like, it was like a, major league team you know i mean it, so many pros and there'd be twelve thousand people in the stands to watch a weekend series between florida state and miami and the first thing i've realized when i got to columbus is that that wasn't the case and that was hmm. um that is something that i wish 
just from my personal, I like baseball and from my personal, and I don't even, I don't think, I don't know if it's even possible. I don't know if any of the schools in the North are like that. If any of the schools in the North have huge followings and, and, and are factories like that. I mean, they rarely are in the college world series, rarely win the college world series, but you'd think if any school could do it, it would be Ohio right. uh, at Ohio right. state. And you know, it hasn't happened. So I guess, you know, cause of the non-revenues, I mean, we do, so you guys do such a great job with the wrestling and all that stuff. I feel like, um, so to me, like baseball is one that I just wish there was more give a damn for. Not necessarily from Eleven Warriors, just from the school and the fans and everything. Baseball, I mean, I love baseball. It, I enjoy it in pretty much any form that it can take. I can watch a little league game or a high school game or you know college, minor leagues, whatever, and I will enjoy it just because of the the way the game is played. I just I love the sport of baseball. Uh, so I'm with you on that. And I really do wish that Ohio State had, you know, like a good team that you could like, okay, this guy's going to get in the tournament. They're going to be really good. Yeah. Uh, but you're right. Northern schools is just not as uh, likely that you're going to see something like that. I, of the ones that we talk about, we, you know, Aubrey does a great job with women's hockey. I think we, you know, we try to get into men's hockey. I would like to do that a little bit more. For my personal vanity, though, I would say that I really would like to see more coverage on swimming in general, competitive swimming. Uh, Cause to me, I love swimming. That was, that was the sport that I was the best at when I was a kid. Now, granted that doesn't say a whole hell of a lot, but to, I just, I love the atmosphere around swimming. I like the attitudes of the people that uh, do it. It's, it's an interesting sport for a lot of different reasons. And uh, I don't know. I, I don't know that a lot of people would get super into it, but it's just for me, I would like to know a little bit more about what Ohio state is doing on that front. So that's that would be my answer for that. Plus, Ohio State, I mean, the facilities over there are really, really great. And it's just, you know, it's a cool thing. That's repeatable, right? The facilities are really great. Yeah. Everything but the shot is great at Ohio State. Well, yes, right. Yeah. Uh, okay, so this next one's from uh, Leah. Leah wants to know, did you all catch Bradley Roby on Top Chef the other night? Uh, he mentioned that the mac and cheese the chef made wasn't anything like his grandma's. Uh, do y'all have any family recipes <laughs> you compare all versions of that food to? That's pretty good. Yeah, that's pretty good that he was on the good for Bradley. I mean, I loved him. You know, he had kind of a rough end at Ohio State and was kind of prickly at the end. But just because of he felt like people were on him all the time. But I loved covering him. And it's awesome to see his pro career become what it's become. Um, the only thing that that I have never been even my mom, God rest her soul, was not able to duplicate was my grandmother's fried chicken. And mm. I don't, my mom always swore that it was the pan, that it was the pan my grandma cooked it in. Maybe it was, but it's been, no one's been able to duplicate it ever. I mean, ever. And there's something about it that was done perfectly. And I've tried, I, I've, I'll watch Gordon Ramsay cook fried chicken a thousand times and try and duplicate that and hope that it tastes as good as my grandma's and it never does. So, um, I, I keep trying, but I just can't duplicate it. I would say my man, my grandma made some really good fried chicken. I mean, this is, you know, lady from from rural Kentucky. I mean, right. Not, they know how to make it. Yeah. So that was, that was pretty fantastic. I would actually say though, that I have spent my entire life going to Italian restaurants and, and thinking that I'm going to order this really great lasagna and get something that will meet to my standards. And they, it never does. It just never does. My mom, look, my mom makes, she's a pretty good cook in general, but she mm -hmm. makes two things that I just think are legendary. And, and one is meatloaf and the other mm -hmm. is lasagna. And she's just amazing at it. She's just absolutely incredible at it. And I cannot find anything uh, that stands up to my mom's lasagna. So that is definitely my choice on that one. That is legit. 
this one, this last one here, I think you're going to enjoy, Bo. Uh, this from Matt. <laughs> Matt, by the way, Matt, uh, last name Wolf, who I think you, which is very, you know, apropos for this question. Uh, it's okay. been far too long since I last heard any Game of Thrones talk. Uh, so with so long, <laughs> so long uh, until the uh, next uh, season here, yeah. uh, do either of us read articles or watch YouTube videos on, quote, spoilers or speculation about how it will end to pass the time? No, I made a mistake. No? I um I followed uh, Watchers on the Wall okay. on Facebook, Excellent which they're blog. like the it is it's a great it is but the problem is, is they're too informed right and so <laughs> like three weeks ago they had spies in belfast or wherever the hell and they i can't even I've, i i it appears right now as i'm talking out loud that i have erased whatever the spoiler was from my brain but i remember reading it and going oh no and i just i just logged off of it and got off of it and unfollowed them <laughs> because i don't i have no interest in that yeah. Um, and so I try to avoid all of that stuff. I don't want to have any hints. I want the show to genuinely surprise the biggest mistake. I mean, I was so mad at Kurt Barton, who I love Kurt Barton. I just love him as a human being. I, I'm, I don't agree with him on many things, but I do love him as just a person. Mm-hmm. And um, and I've liked him since he was a player. But when when he this year on Game of Thrones tweeted out uh, the blue eyed dragon, because of the leaks oh, that's right i forgot he did that it what just broke my heart it just oh, broke not a spoiler not nothing just put it out there and i went wow that is such a dick move like what are you doing how can you do that and i just thought that's i i've never been so mad at him and i told him i'm like what are you doing so i had to mute him like i can't i couldn't <laughs> risk it it's too big of a risk um so so uh, i try very hard to avoid that i adore this show in the way that I've adored few others. Mm-hmm. And what I love most about it has been the, just the complete chaos and unpredictability. And so you get that when you watch it in real time and you don't know what the hell's going to happen. So right. I've tried to avoid that and I've unfollowed that blog and I love that blog. But so I'll go back and read it in 2019 when it's all done. <laughs> Not until. You know what, man? Like, here's my problem. I, I'm obsessive about this stuff and it's not like, you know, I'm not out there looking trolling the internet for for Game of Thrones spoilers every single day or anything like that. But when I get on an idea or on a topic, I'm like, oh God, I got to find out about this. Yeah. And I will spend just an inordinate amount of time searching every nook and cranny that I can for things. And I told myself before the last season, I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it. I'm just going to whatever. It's fine. And then I would be looking at something and maybe like a hint of a spoiler would pop up and then just something in my brain would be picked. And I was like, I gotta go. I gotta look these up. I gotta figure out all oh, what's going no. on. Yeah. And I had to block. I had to like st- stop it. I just had to like stop myself because yeah. it's so easy to get wrapped up because you're so invested in the outcome of this. So I've done everything I can to try to avoid watchers on the wall, avoid uh, the subreddit called free folk. Okay. If you're looking for spoilers, you're going to find them there. I promise. Um, so I'm just, it's it's hard because it's so long from now until the next season. Like we're not dealing with like another, you know, oh, we got ten months till the next. No, <laughs> like it's right. gonna be a long. T- it's gonna be a long wait, and uh, I don't know that I can do it. <laughs> yeah, I'm like sitting here, like on my hands, like nope, not today. I'm not gonna look up spoilers, but I know maybe in March of 2019, you know, maybe two or three weeks before the premiere, I'm just gonna screw myself over and just see the entire thing, you know, up well- front. 
I mean, that's how far we are away because they got to get to next winter to continue filming. So, I mean, they're going to film for like a year on this thing. So, they I mean, said they're gonna not going to be... premiere till next April. Yeah. Like, I, okay. There you go. And I could see that push to June. So, I mean, I think you're still forever away. I mean, I would be so worried that something would happen to one of these actors. Oh, like, right. I mean, anything like that would just screw this whole thing up. Like, you know, what happened to Princess Leia for crying out loud? I mean, like, yeah. You know, something like that. I would just be terrified of something like that. Uh, I would just want to like get it done as fast as possible. But um, I'll tell you the the thing. Two parts. Number one, I view, have viewed it in real time from it, so I didn't binge this. So I watched it week one on television, right? Mm-hmm. And I had to wait week to week for every episode. I've never, I've, I've never binged this show. I've rewatched it several times from start to finish, but. When I consumed it for the first time, it was I watched an hour and I waited a week and watched another hour and then I waited a year and that's the way that it went. <laughs> so I have my own things that I've felt I'm waiting for a payoff. That's nothing compared to you. You oh, read the God. books. I mean, you've waited <laughs> 10 years. I mean, when did yeah. the first book drop on this? Oh, well, the first book came out in like the late 90s. I think it was like 99. Okay. Like I wasn't it. I didn't then. start. Yeah, I didn't start reading. I didn't. To be fair, I didn't start reading this until like several years ago. It wasn't. It wasn't that far ago. But my it point wasn't is, like, though, is you've waited for a decade on this, and the yeah. reality is, is you may never get the books. <laughs> so, yeah. so this is your. This is like you almost have to view this as this is the end of it. You know, like so if you get the books, you get the books. That's a bonus. Yeah. But, I don't think you can think you're going to get the books with as long as it's taken him to write these things. No, no book reader thinks they're getting the books. And here's the other thing that I would say about that. Every time, like I follow George R. R. Martin on Twitter mm-hmm. and every time he tweets, I think it's going to be one of two things. Either he's going to give an update about his, he's got this, uh, this movie theater in like New Mexico or something uh, that he, he tweets constantly about, or it's going to be an announcement from his publicist saying like, eh, he gave up, he's done. <laughs> Sorry. Like, it's just, you're just waiting on this thread. Like, because you know, you're not going to get a, uh, you know, you're going to get an announcement for him saying the book's ready. No. And the other thing is, is that, that now, I mean, HBO is doing these uh, prequels or whatever. I don't even know how that's going to work. Yeah. He's going to be involved in that. I'm sure he'll have to be at least a consultant. So yeah, I mean, you're not getting the books. This is your, this is your, this is the way the thing's going to end and that's what you're going to get. So I mean, I can't imagine how long you, you know, how long, you know, you think about somebody who started reading this thing in 99, you know, and he's been out there, you know, for 20 years, you know, they're waiting on this damn thing. It's half a lifetime for somebody. Well, that's why they say, and now my watch begins, you know, you, yeah. you will it's crazy. That's right. Absolutely crazy. The pressure on HBO to find the next thing too. Cause they, I've heard that Westworld has hit a little bit, but they mm-hmm. really don't have like, they don't have everybody, you know, there's nothing on their channel that is moving the needle. You know, yeah. they really need a hit. And yeah, I'm Westworld's sure probably the closest thing to that, but we'll see what happens with their new season. They may fall right on their face. So we'll see. Yeah. It's hard to maintain. You know? Yeah. It so, is. Yeah. All right. That's Ask Us Anything. That's thank you guys for sending those in. Please continue to send in those incredible questions, incredible offseason questions. We really appreciate it. Yeah. That's good. And anytime, I mean, uh, you love a Game of Thrones question. We haven't talked of about course. that. Of course. That's fantastic. <laughs> you knew I'd love that. All right, buddy. Yeah. Uh, we thank James for stopping by this week, and you and I will chat again next week. Have a good week, pal. Yeah, absolutely. You too.